0: Greetings friends, I'm John Haspel. This is a Dharma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dharma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.
1: So, we are now at... Week 10 in the book, probably week 12 in the, in the course. The hindrances to maintaining a Dhamma practice. <clears throat> we'll start with the words of the Buddha. At Savadhi, the Buddha addressed those assembled. Friends, There are five obstacles to be overcome, five hindrances that weaken and distract from the Eightfold Path. These five are sensual desire, ill will, laziness and drowsiness, restlessness and anxiety, uncertainty, skepticism and doubt. These obstacles can overwhelm your mindfulness and confuse wise discernment. When a Dhamma practitioner has not yet abandoned these five hindrances, it will be impossible for them to understand what is for their benefit or for the benefit of others. It will be impossible to become an awakened human being settled in equanimity, settled in direct knowledge and clear vision just as a swift-flowing river carrying everything with it. If diverted by side channels on both sides, the current in the middle of the river would become dispersed, diffused, dissipated. It could no longer travel far and clearly. In the same way, when a practitioner does uh, does not abandon those five obstacles, hindrances that overwhelm mindfulness and confuse discernment, they will no longer understand what is for their own benefits or others. Not knowing what is skillful, they will not develop understanding or release. Equanimity, direct knowledge, clear vision will not develop. Now, when a Dhamma practitioner has abandoned these five obstacles, these hindrances, they will develop refined and useful mindfulness and clear discernment. Wise, they will understand what is for their benefit and for others' benefit. They will develop equanimity, direct knowledge and clear vision. Released, they are free from confusion, delu- delusion and stress. They are unbound. In the same way as the practitioner free of hindrances the river with the side channels closed would run swift and clear to its destination with nothing to diffuse disperse or dissipate it. In the same manner free of obstacles, free of hindrances the wise ones reach their, reach their goal. Suppose there were a river flowing down from the mountains, going far, its current swift, carrying everything with it. And a person would close the channels leading away from it on both sides, so that the current in the middle of the river would be undispersed, undiffused, and undissipated it would go far, its current swift carrying everything with it. In that same way, when a practitioner has abandoned these five obstacles, hindrances that overwhelm awareness and weaken discernment, when they are strong in discernment, they will easily understand what is for their own benefit and for the benefit of others. They will develop equanimity, direct knowledge, and clear vision. Released, they are free from confusion, delusion, and stress. They are unbound. So these hindrances are things that we will all run into, we have run into, most of us. Not just at the beginning of a practice, but they keep popping up. The first hindrance is sensual desire, distractions by things that appeal to your senses. It's very. Uh, these things will keep you occupied, keep you distracted from your practice, uh, and we are we're surrounded by things that that want to take our attention, and we are constantly constantly being told that this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to, you know, go for the brass ring and um, indulge in in things. Um, When it comes to the practice, this is where the first restraint is being required. To keep your concentration <clears throat> not only during meditation practice but also in life. It's a it's a constant requirement to be aware of the distractions around you and to keep coming back to your intent of practicing the Eightfold Path. In meditation, it's fairly simple to recognize them. And once you recognize them, you gently abandon them. The same thing goes for ill will. In my experience, especially in meditation, um, sensual desire and ill will can flip at will um, in the middle of whatever train of thought there is. Um, they're, they're equally distracting. Um, and the mind really wants to be distracted by them. It's just, you know, that's what the mind does. Um, ill will tends to have a, a, a firmer grip it carries you along a little faster than, than sensual desire uh, again that's my mind it may not be for everybody else um, but, but holding um, harsh judgments to others um, anger, resentment, all these things um, depending on on your your particular state of mind um, can be a long-standing distraction
0: mm.
1: For myself and not so much, but I know many people that, that are just constantly in that state of mind where where anger towards others towards the, the world uh, is a constant um, accompaniment to in their in their life um, that can be hard to let go of um, and and it's easy to um, also, once you start noticing that this is what's going on, it's easy to fall into the trap of um, beating yourself up on that. Um, that's that requires. That's also something that requires an enormous amount of restraint to still be gentle with yourself, even though you see these tendencies uh, towards ill will in yourself. Um, And off the cushion, once you notice and once you start abandoning these tendencies towards ill will, you'll notice that your relationships with others improve dramatically. Um, for most people that are in, in the grip of this um, constant ill will, it's hard for them to understand why they run into so much ill will from others. And it's just, this is how, as we know, this is how karma works. Previous actions have their results in, in current moments. practicing meta meditation in whatever form we used to practice it in, in two different forms um, can be helpful there the, the f- what we read every after every class is um, Buddha's instructions as to how to deal with ill will. And, um, you know, it was the teaching itself is to a group of monks that um, was going to settle down for their reigns uh, retreat and uh, found themselves surrounded by. Uh, beings and people that they thought had ill will towards them. And uh, they thought they couldn't practice. So they ran back to to the Buddha and asked for his advice. And he says, what you're running up against is your own ill will. Abandonment in every form that you see. This is why the the, the list of things in the metta sutta is just so long. He, he tells us that every the smallest form of ill will is still a hindrance to your practice, Abandoned, You will notice as you consciously read that it will have an effect to to quiet your mind, you, you, the, the repetition in there is 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 just very helpful. Uh, I've had times myself where I ran into uh, situations where um, it basically brought up fear, and. The reaction then is always anger, um, and there, there's been times where just reading the Metta Sutta calmed things down slowly. Sometimes it takes a couple of weeks to, to, to break your mind out of that pattern, from other's anger to your own anger to fear to... The way that rolls around in, inside yourself it can be very powerful. The third one: sloth and torpor. <laughs> My favorites: drowsiness or laziness. Um, it's a. It's a common. Reaction almost physical uh, when you start your practice, Um, and it generally points to a resistance that you have. Um, I remember (laughs) the first uh, months that I first started going to John's class. Um, I slept through at least half of it, um, and that was just, you know, my reaction to this bald old guy sitting there talking about four of this and eight of that, and 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 I wasn't having any of it. I was just there to meditate, I thought. Um, so um, it, it is a it is actually in. in in life, um, it can be a, a common reaction. Um, I've seen it in myself and, and others as well. When you are in a relationship and, and something is really bothering you uh, with your partner, that I had this tendency to start yawning. <laughs> and uh, it, it took me a while to, to realize that I was just... There was some resistance coming up there. Um, and uh, the yawning was just a, uh, a sign that this, this reaction of, of drowsiness was setting in. Um, but the root of it is just... Uh, it's, it's a reaction. It's It's resistance. You just want to withdraw yourself from the situation. And and going to sleep is the easiest way to withdraw yourself from the situation. Um, And laziness, um, in general, uh, the, the practice requires your Your commitment, your effort, and um, laziness is is the first reaction to that. I don't really want to do it. Uh, I don't really have the time to sit. Um, I don't even have a place to sit. Um, I I can't... I can't believe it. I, I spent almost a year and a half resisting having a a personal practice. I just went to class to come and meditate and practice. And um, as far as my personal meditation, it just didn't exist because I had my my, my laziness was just right there up in front. Um, I had my excuses, of course. But, um, you know, after, and this is, um, for me, the, the great benefit of, of having a, a well-focused sangha is that you see the example of others. Um, I remember observing uh, somebody who came in off the street with... No no background in, in spirituality, Buddhism or whatsoever. And she managed to get a practice going, you know within the first couple of weeks, and was steady and steadfast and all that. And finally, I had to, to look at myself. And say, if that person can do it, you know, what's keeping you here um, and and you know I've, I've had other examples that have kind of pushed me there um, so. To me, it's one of the great benefits of, of the Sangha is that you, you have the, the examples in front of you of what, what can be done. Um, so, dispel drowsiness and laziness. And as John says here, It's to be dealt with through equanimity and persistence. Recognize that it is affecting you and your practice and stay with your practice. Drowsiness will fall away and so will laziness. Fourth hindrance, restlessness. John's words. Restlessness is an aspect of boredom. Boredom is your conditioned mind's need for constant stimulation and distraction. Restlessness and worry can be difficult hindrances to overcome, but persistence will show results. If restlessness and worry have risen to the level of anxiety, it may be best to meditate for shorter periods of time and more often. But yes, um, boredom can be the great excuse for not meditating or not staying in your meditation and being and and almost looking for distractions in your in your meditation. John's words, remind yourself that just for meditation period, you will be putting aside restlessness and anxiety and maintain your awareness on your breath. Meditation has proven to be a very effective way of putting anxiety causing thoughts aside and staying mindful as life occurs. Number five, <clears throat> doubt, uncertainty and skepticism. Um, that can come from, from, from different sources uh, and it can pop up at any time in your practice. In my, um, my beginning in, in the sangha, I had a lot of doubt and skepticism as to whether or not this could work at all. You know, I thought it was outdated. Um, uh, the human mind had changed so much. Uh, this, that, and the other thing. I had lots of reasons why I, I wouldn't I didn't want to step into this wholeheartedly. Um, the way I overcame that was that I wanted to. I wanted to prove that this was not working. So I. Did spend the time to investigate, you know sometimes from a wrong point of view, but still, um, you can use doubt and skepticism, you can turn it around and and fuel your investigation that way and you know, in this case, the the investigation showed to me that this was a a working proposal. Um, of course, it has to be combined with actual practice. It can't be just to try and and overcome your doubt and skepticism. With just um, study and intellectual pursuit is not going to work. Um, but it is a a good way to embrace the practice because you'll see it's it it works. You know, use it and you will, as the Buddha says, will reap the benefits. And as John says here, there's two things here. Let me give you his words. Other people's skepticism can be a hindrance as well, especially people who do not understand the Dharma or the purpose of meditation practice. The most effective way to work through uncertainty, doubt, and skepticism is to engage in the practice wholeheartedly without any unrealistic expectations. Examine your motivations for practice. That's a big one. Why am I doing this? Am I trying to fix something? Um, am I in some kind of, do I, do I want to prove something? Do I want to just get another notch on my belt, You know, another practice that I have done? Um, all these things will get you nowhere. But is your intention for engaging in meditation practice to put aside craving and desire born of ignorance, then you have a chance. attempting to fix or satisfy an ego self only continues to confusion and stress and uncertainty and skepticism will keep arising if your intention is to fix a broken or flawed self John's word again. Hindrances or distractions will arise. They will have no permanent effect on your practice if you persevere. Hindrances are recognized mind states to be aware of. Be with them as dispassionately as possible. The the primary urge is always to Berate yourself. At least it is for me. Um, I'm not doing this right. You know, I'm in the wrong place for this. So I'm doing this and that. Sit back, look at it. It's a hindrance. It's just a hindrance. You've had them before. More are on the way. Be with them and let them go. Continue with your practice. Perseverance is the final solution for any, any hindrance, go through it. In John's words, the second and sixth factors of the Eightfold Path, right intention and right effort. GREATLY support your overall Dharma practice. Maintaining the strong resolve of right intention and engaging in right effort will provide the framework needed to develop and maintain a Dharma practice in the face of all the hindrances. intention is holding in mind the intention to put aside clinging aversion and delusional thinking and awakening. That's the beginning. Right effort is generating the skillful desire, actions, diligence to avoid and abandon inappropriate thoughts, words and deeds and develop and maintain appropriate thoughts, words, and means. And the last thing here in John's words. Joining a like-minded community of Dharma practitioners greatly supports an individual practice. Joining a community of Dharma practitioners will provide a weekly structure for your practice. A qualified teacher will notice if you are losing direction or focus. And the community as a whole will support you with their own insights and you will be able to support your Sangha. And the, the, the true benefit of This sangha here for me for all these years has been this constant support, maybe just from somebody speaking out and and relating their own experiences, because it is just so helpful to see (coughs) specifically on the hindrances that what you're going through you'll see it in somebody else. And there you recognize it's just a hindrance. And at some point you can provide that same support for for someone else. Um, So, thank you all for being in this sangha. That's it for tonight. John.
0: Outstanding, uh, that really was. It, it, it would be very easy to get into, uh, and I've heard talks on the that they are very conceptual and uh, really even otherworldly you know, things. Acting, acting honestly with this Uh you just uh, you, you talk from your own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really uh, poignant. Uh, thank you for, for uh, how personal you were in uh, personal subject. Uh, the, the, the metaphor that's used here I think is so important besides the, being the distraction that continuously can cause and by recognizing them and not letting them uh, whether your dollar practice or dissuade you we stay right on center channel we continue to move towards um, the goal and we also understand through, through the, what you've taught us tonight yeah, these hindrances are part of practice. They're not something right or wrong. Because we have to deal with doubt or ill will doesn't mean we're bad. In fact, the whole point of the Dhamma is so that we can abandon these hindrances and live free in the world and live liberated. Uh, and, it, and it is just this. I know people get upset with me when I say it's a simple uh, a simple practice, but it really is these five things that dissuade us from awakening don't let them, they won't. And it really is just that simple. The other the other aspect of this, and it gets into the list that the Buddha always liked to teach, and that we use the same, uh, the same method, is how the five hindrances um, relate directly to the clinging aspects of the five clinging aggregates. Mm-hmm. In other words, if it wasn't for the hindrances, the aggregates wouldn't be clung together to maintain this ongoing personal experience of stress and suffering, which is another way of simply entering that middle channel of the river, uh, and not getting distracted by these these simple things. And it it is just, if we're ever distracted, if I'm ever distracted in in my Dhamma practice, uh, it's so easy now to to, to recognize, yeah, because I'm full of ill will for so-and-so, or what's going on in the world, or Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or, or I I need some distraction in this moment. I'm reading an outstanding book that I'm going to I think it might be the first book outside of the sutta that I teach in class because it's so relevant. It's called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Um, And he, I'm only about halfway through, but he describes in a completely non-Buddhist, modern, secular, scientific way how we get distracted and how we Mm. use the world today um, in ways that we never did before. That are, that are literally making us more and more um, mindless than we ever been. It's just an outstanding book. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about something that Siddhartha Gautama realized and why he taught jhana meditation 2600 years ago. <coughs> because even with the limited opportunity for distraction back then, that's what we all did. You know, we've been doing it ever since. We've been, we've been going into the side channels of our lives mm-hmm. rather than
1: going down the middle, you know, the middle way. So thank you so much for another great class, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, this, this metaphor of, of the of the river and the side channels is, is actually quite good. Uh, because you can just see how your your energy is getting dissipated and being being pulled off sideways. Uh, and and your the main thrust of your of your practice of your life is just losing steam. And it's, it's dragon. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful metaphor. Good evening, Jane.
3: Good evening. Um, um, I want to echo what John said. Uh, thank you for taking us through your personal journey of the hindrances. Um, I also agree very much with what you said about having a well-focused sangha. I mean, it does truly help to hear other people's experience And then you know, make sure you can pick out things that relate to yours, and it helps. Mm -hmm. Um, My own experience with the meditation—I don't know which hindrances falls under—but it was my. I wanted to control my meditation. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and I got very anxious when you know these thoughts would come in, and where are they coming from, and why can't I control them? And it was only after I was able to let go of the control aspect that I was able to appreciate the meditation and you know to find the peace and Mm -hmm. I mean there's times now where you know most times I have a a peaceful meditation but there are times when I think I should get frequent flyer miles for where my mind goes because (laughs) it's all over the place but now I recognize that that's just something to let go you know there's going to be days like that and
1: that's all part of it. So, yeah, I, I had, yeah, I had the same thing with with my my uh, early meditation for a long time actually. That that um, I couldn't get out of this this idea that had been planted in my mind you know, decades ago that th- there is this aspect of control in 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 certain meditations, uh, and that when when you keep getting distracted, that there is something wrong. No, there isn't. You just have to recognize that you're getting distracted, period, return to breath. There's your meditation.
3: Like I said, it's ongoing, it's a journey.
0: Yep. Thank you. I would say both of you are such a good example of perseverance and and reaping the rewards of that. I mean, I can say that about all of us, but really, Jane, you you persevered uh, and you've persevered without a, a um, being, being in the physical presence of our sangha. You know, most of your sangha participation has been online, but it still works for you, and that's, that's great.
3: You know. Then you're reaping the rewards. Yes, I am. Thank you. Mm. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Brian, how are you tonight?
3: Good, Ron, Thank you for this. Um,
0: you know, it's interesting on that point you just said, John, about the remote. Like, I, I feel you guys as if I was sitting in Frenchtown and not 500 miles away. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't seem to matter. It's, I don't know what that is, but it's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> um, a, yeah, I'm, I'm truly yeah, amazed how how great. well this works.
0: It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess for me on this this chapter, this go around, like I really felt the the three marks of existence in the mm-hmm. the hindrances yep and they're they're all suffering they're all impermanent yep. and they're all
3: aspects of Anata
0: yep
1: and right.
0: that just like you know, all again let the hindrances go let Anata go like that's the that's the
3: ticket
1: yep yeah I was gonna I was gonna hit on that and I forgot but thank you for doing that
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um,
1: so yes, thank you. I appreciate it, Rob.
2: Have a good night, Nina. Hi, Hi. everybody. Um, I don't have much to add. I've had like a, I've had a pretty inconsistent week, so um, it came at a good time, <laughs> <laughs> and um, also just super grateful to have these weekly. Kind of check-ins to be accountable because i can definitely feel the perseverance and consistency equals release mm-hmm. and when that pulls back we can feel that too yes so glad to be
3: here
1: <laughs> good good yep i'm constantly surprised how well this this way of of people zooming in how well this works uh you know we, we had you know No
0: substitute for in person
1: no, there isn't, but uh I thought this was going to be sterile when when we first started this um uh, and, and when we had to when we had no choice you know the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, oh God, you know there goes the whole shebang, and it just stayed together um, i'm I'm really pleasantly surprised how well it works yeah,
0: I think so.
2: Laura! Hi, Rob. Thank you. It was great hearing um, what everyone else had to say, and Mm. like Nita just said, you know, when you're having a difficult week or things are kind of inconsistent in your practice, it does help so much to check in with everyone here, and um, yeah, after your teaching, it really helped me realize that the hindrances that I'm experiencing that arise, are not something to beat myself up over but they're revealing to me um like and allowing me to have a closer examination of them um and like you pointed out what am I resisting <laughs> and then from there figuring out um uh, or actually just having a revelation that they're impermanent like Brian was saying they're anita, they're not me. And through, you know, right effort, right intention, I'm able to uh, bring about their cessation. Like, I have a a, kind of a weird medical procedure that I have coming up on Thursday, so the whole week I've been kind of stressing about it and Mm -hmm. all these irrational thoughts, you know, uncertainty, doubt. Even ill will towards my family because I'm nervous, but none of it's valid. None of it's—I mean, it's natural to have those things, but this is what really brings about their cessation and brings you back to life as life occurs. That's, That's—that's all I can do right now.
1: Yeah. As as Brian said, you know, you have—it's—it's it's not self. It's not you. And it's
0: impermanent. It's all right. good news. <laughs> and it's, it's only through your well, refined mindfulness. The, right. You the all, yeah. right. Yeah. The the um the uh the the hindrances can seem intransigent at the times.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, they can seem solid, like they're just there, and you have to kind of to into them. But they're really the best way to look at it is they're just strategies that a mind rooting in ignorance and Four Noble Truth would use to
1: continue its own ignorance. And that's all there is. There, there is no substance to it. It's just a conditioned response or a, again, a strategy to keep up ignorance. Which um, um, is all we got to maintain. Yeah, for me, that that flipping back and forth between sensual uh, desire and ill will was, for me, the. the Best example of that is just the strategy of the mind. Yeah, yeah
0: and sometimes it's the same thing. Yeah. And then, you know, we, like, we feel good about our ill will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I and mean, we, we see it. it's justified. You know, that's Very. Something.
1: Oh yeah, but yeah. Justified I mean, ill will is the best. Yeah. Better
0: about feeling hurtful about someone else it makes us action feel worse. And we just keep it home. to be here. Thank you for your teaching. Um, yeah, I don't really have uh, much to add tonight.
1: What's I, your favorite I, hindrance? <laughs>
0: to, just my favorite hindrance is my cell phone. <laughs> yeah, now I, I, I said my favorite hindrance is my cell phone. <laughs> distraction. The distraction.
1: Uh, reach, uh, reach yeah. whole, whole so that comes under sensual desire.
0: Yeah, and it's it, it, and it's I, I guess <laughs> like you were saying, it's uh, you're shining the color, so, or people are saying you know you're shining a light on something that's that has to be addressed or that's mm-hmm. what's coming up. And uh, usually it's when I'm comfortable with what's happening and I pick up my phone because I don't want to feel what's happening. Yeah, uh-huh. and it goes on daily and all the time. And, uh, and I'm fully aware of it when it's happening. Uh-huh. Except it's just... uh me get on there real fast and then let me check this message and this person
2: text me because then I'm going to feel... I don't... I don't want to be... And I'm like, wow. What if I could have patience?
0: Uh, what if I could go back to the way it used to be 10 years ago? or you
2: know, I don't know if I had patience then either, either but... As far as checking the phone and things like that, you know, it's a little bit more simpler when you can hang out.
1: Yeah. Know,
3: some of these distractions. I,
1: there, there's, I, you know, the the, the, the urge to distract ourselves is just as old as the hills. Yeah, I guess uh, I, 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 I you know, it you pick your pick your poison. Uh, it, it's been around. <laughs> it's been around. You know, before phones were around, people walked around with the Walkmans on their head, uh, headphones on their head, you know, carrying boom boxes, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's I, you know, as, as a kid I had my nose in the book. Constantly. That was my distraction. You know, it was encouraged. <laughs> For favorite, favorite saying in my household, when when we would, when we as, as as kids would would misbehave, my mom would say, "Don't you have a book to read?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was just you know that was that distraction. It was just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Now it's a cell phone. Yeah,
0: same thing. Yeah, it's distracting. Distracting from a... Yeah, with work being mono focused or. I, my, that's kind of my desire to be more focused on certain aspects of my work but I instead i I kind of jump out to the next best thing right. Right, continuously instead of staying yeah. on this a more of a narrow path so that's true it's
1: you also notice that when you when you are working when you are physically you know when you got tool in in the work oh, yeah you are focused because oh, yeah. you can't afford not to
0: right yes you thank you I always like to think of the hindrances as that mirror. That mirror of your karma. Mm -hmm. And with refined mindfulness, like I was telling Laura, only with refined mindfulness that you can see these hindrances arise and pass away. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there's no point in being judgmental about it or harsh with yourself or others yeah. so again I I see hindrances as an opportunity to mm-hmm. see where I am in my practice and to see the level of mindfulness so yeah. it, again I, I learned early not to be harsh and judgmental about the hindrances mm-hmm. so thank you, thank you. All That's right. The right attitude, if an opportunity.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thank you all for a wonderful thank class. You. And thank you,
0: Ron. thank you, everyone.
1: We will read the Karaniya Metta Sutta. Karaniya, what is, what should be done? That's the title. This is what should be done Let them do not the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, emitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, Freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world.
0: Thank you all. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you Thanks, Rob. Have a good night. Thanks, Rob. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Read that book that he was talking
2: about.
0: Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider
3: a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.